T-Wolves dominate with the 121-87 victory versus the Mavs tonight. And I got the expert, Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. And it's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman. He's on Twitter, at Borman 13 And before we get into all the action, Jack, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner, the NBA. Right now, new customers. You're getting $200 in bonus bets with any $5 bet, $200 when you bet just five. Check it all out. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on NBA. All right, man. Finally back at home in the backyard at the Target Center after three straight on the road. Now they get three straight at home starting tonight versus this banged up Dallas team. No Luca, no Kyrie, handful of other guys banged up. So the hope is you get a nice little tune-up game, work on some things. They ended up winning comfortably with a great second half, but there was a good two quarters there early on. You watched them throw away a lot of easy opportunities, miss free throws, some bad rebounding, and then just some missed shots on some wide-open looks. Nonetheless, though, Wolf secure the bag with that great second half. They hold on to first place in the West. So what's the big takeaways here just to kick things off? And, and bigger picture, how important, how vital is it to win these games you're supposed to win like this tonight when you got the Nuggets and Thunder just nipping at your heels. Yeah, man, it's really important. And, and you obviously want to be able to pay that off when, when you're able to have that stretch like the Timberwolves had of that 16-game stretch against playoff caliber opponents in which you know they won above 500. And so when you're able to do, take care of business against the tough teams – you then want to make all that worth it and, and start to rack up some wins against these teams that, you know, aren't quite as good um, or games like tonight where the, the Mavericks just kind of punted this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaways um, for, for me in this game was, was the Timberwolves two biggest stars um, in this game. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, obviously those two guys didn't have to play in the fourth quarter, which was, which was huge. Um, you know, fewest points allowed in, in the game this season for the Timberwolves 87 um biggest one of the season 34 points um but but yeah a lot of that had to do with carl anthony towns right and um if for carl he had 29 points and 11 of 15 shooting uh four of six from three uh all four of those threes came kind of in that bridge end of the second quarter uh the, the last minute of the second quarter made a couple of threes to go into the half with some momentum made a couple more shortly after coming out of the break also had nine rebounds and, and four assists. Um, again, did not play in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I, re I really liked, again, how Carl Anthony Towns in the first half was really aggressive getting downhill against a smaller team and just kind of rose up and, and finished over uh, some smaller defenders. Um, kind of got back to that little right hook, uh, that little floater in the lane uh, that he's been so good at for so long, uh, which was great. And did it without turning the ball over uh, in the first two quarters, which was uh, which was great. And then um, you know, in that third quarter, kind of let the let let the three ball come to him and, and made a couple early in the early in the quarter. And then, um, you know, Dallas kind of got a little over aggressive closing out. And, uh, and the great thing about Carl Anthony Towns playing a little bit more now in the corner with that starting lineup is that, uh, you know, when, when guys overextend him in the corner, right, he does a great job of pumping and then driving baseline. Uh, and then you, you're able to find Rudy Gobert. 
uh, just hanging out in front of the rim. And, and Carl did that a couple of times for uh, for huge, uh, you know, drop off dunks, which was huge. So uh, for him to be able to do that uh, is is just really great. It was a really well rounded game from Carl. Um, you know, did a great job of just kind of taking what the defense gave him. Right, if three pointer was there, um, he let it rip. If it if it wasn't, and guys were kind of crowding him, closing out to him, he did a great job also of uh, you know pumping and going, and then making the right play. So I um, mean, outside of a couple of bad turnovers in that third quarter, I, th- I thought it was a pretty great game from Carl. Also had. Um, you know, a few deflections that he got balls he got his hands on on the defensive end, which was which was great as well. And then, um, you know, I believe he he led the team in rebounding for for most of the night. Yeah, for the for the game as well. He had nine nine to lead the team was great there as well. Um, and then Anthony Edwards, man, um, you know, like we talked about Carl. Carl's been so consistent against you know all these really bad teams, which has been great. He's done that for years, right? And and before Carl got hurt and missed a ton of time last year. I mean, the biggest thing about Carl was his consistency. And that was what made him so great. He was so consistent. He was so available. Um, and, and Ant obviously has been available in, in almost every game last season, almost every game this season. But, but man, again, some of these bad teams, he just kind of takes the night off. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it obviously ended up working out. The Timberwolves only won by 34 points. Um, but he didn't attempt a field goal in, in the final three quarters. Um, obviously he, he got fouled late, right at the end of the third quarter, uh, when he kind of caught a grenade with like five seconds left in the shot clock and had to get something up, but, um, he was the only starter that didn't finish in double figures tonight. Um, just a game where you forgot he was out there. Right. And that just can't happen. If, if Ant wants the same respect that, you know, some of these other guys that, that he phases off against, um, it's just really hard to you know, see that on, on a night like tonight when, you know, this game could have been over at halftime. The Wolves could have been up 25 at halftime if Ant just had showed up and and brought the same energy that he normally brings at home in front of a big crowd. And uh, he just didn't do that tonight. And, and you thought that he might with the way that he picked his spots and he was pretty aggressive in the first quarter, seven points, three assists in that first quarter. Um, and so for him not to do that and just be really passive and, and just kind of not care um, for for pretty much three quarters, I thought was, was a little, um, you know, disappointing, I, I guess, just because you've come to expect so much more from him and, and, and you want to be able to see him, you know, pay off fans that didn't get to see Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, um, you know, obviously one of the mo- more exciting teams in the league that you can watch. And, and for fans that didn't get that, and then didn't even get Anthony Edwards showing up for a game. Um, you know, I think that's, that's pretty disappointing um, and something that, you know, if the Timberwolves do want to be the number one team in the West, they've got plenty more games against teams that are going to be really bad. And it's going to get even worse after the trade deadline when some of these teams that are selling, um, you know, sell off all their players and uh, and go full on tank mode. And so, um, you know, he's just got to got to show up more for those games and, um, you know, and continue to try to make <laughs> try to end these games as soon as they can. So Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Carl and all these guys can rest. Um, and not pick up any dumb injuries because it's a 14 point game with eight minutes left and guys are still in the game instead of it being done midway through the third quarter. So um, certainly, you know, some, some things you'd like to see cleaned up, I guess, even despite uh, what was a great win and and a great team win at that. Yeah. Well said, definitely want to talk more about Ant here later on, but this defense, man, what more can you say? I get it. No Luca, no Kyrie. I get it. But 14 time, 
they've held their opponent under 100 points. Most in the NBA, four blocks tonight, six steals, a defensive rating of 92.3, which I know is great, but help me put into words just how special that number is because you're my analytics guy. Like, What type of elite territory are we starting to get into now with this Wolves defense, and what stuck out tonight on that end of the floor? Yeah, um, you know, I think for them – to, to be there. So for context that 92 or I think it ended up being 93.5. I forgot to update it in the garbage time minutes, but, but still 93.5 is, is how many you know points they gave up over, a, over a hundred possessions. Right. Um, and, and so they only scored 87 points because they only had 93 possessions tonight, but um, the wolves lead the NBA this season in defensive rating at 109.4. And so the difference between 92.3 and 109.4 is bigger than the Timberwolves at number one in the last team in the league. I want to say it like one, you know, what is it? One twenty-two point five. So it's bigger wow. than the, you know, half of the whole NBA. So wow. um, couldn't have asked for, for a more elite night from, from the Timberwolves defense. I think they did a great job of, you know, shutting off Jaden Hardy and Tim Hardaway Jr. I think holding them to a combined 29 points on 30 shots. Um, you know, is, is a plus work considering that those two guys were kind of going to going to be the engines of the, the Dallas offense tonight. So I think that the more difficult you can make it for, for number one and number two options there, I think the better off you're going to be. And then, um, you know, they really did a good job of running shooters off the three point line, um, you know, forcing guys to take contested threes, which was great. I think this is a night that Jason Kidd very clearly said, Hey, if we want to stay in this game, if we want to win this game, we got to get up a ton of threes and we got to make a ton of threes. Um, Dallas shot less threes than the Timberwolves did tonight. They shot 29 to the Timberwolves 30, and they made less than half the amount of threes that the Timberwolves did. Dallas only made six. Minnesota made 13. Um, and so for to hold Dallas to 21% shooting from three, um, even, even guys that, um, you know, are st- that still played tonight, uh, you know, in this depleted, you know, punt the game uh, rotation for Dallas, are still good three-point shooters. Josh Green, Grant Williams, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, all those guys are really good three-point shooters. And so uh, Maxi Kleber as well, uh, another great, another really good three-point shooter. So for the Timberwolves to, to run those guys off the line and and prevent them from getting hot and getting confident and staying in the game was uh, was obviously what you want. And then uh, for the Timberwolves uh, to, to just rebound the ball the way they did in the second half, I thought was, um, was absolutely phenomenal, uh, something that, that certainly should be commended. Um, especially considering, you know, what this game looked like at, at halftime. Um, but in the third quarter, they out-rebounded Dallas 13-5. Uh, to five. And then in the fourth quarter, they out-rebounded Dallas 14-5. to five. So, um, you know, to be able to just pour it on in the glass and just, you know, obviously dominate within the possession, but then close out each of those possessions, um, you know, I thought was, was really, really good. And, and again, what more can you say, man? 14th time this season. Uh, the Timberwolves have held an opponent under 100 points. That is the most in the NBA. Um, I want to say the next team is at like eight or seven. Um, That's insane. So That's insane. Uh, for, for Minnesota to continue that defensive dominance uh, is really encouraging because they're going to play another team here in Orlando who, who does not have a very efficient offense, a team that you know doesn't space the floor very well. Um, and so, you know, for the Wolves to kind of find their fastball again, these last two games, um, you know, in that last game over Oklahoma, against Oklahoma City, only gave up 80, I think it was like 81 points in the final 41 and a half minutes of that game. So um, just a, a really elite stretch of defense from the Timberwolves the last, you know, 
seven and a half quarters or so. Yeah, well said. I, I just want to circle back to the first half here one last time real quick. What bothered you the most? I'm just curious. Was it the missed free throws, the the rebounding, which you touched on, the missed wide open shots, or Ant just being that total no-show? And of those four, I guess, which one do you feel the most confident? Hey, they're just having an off night that first half. And which one maybe worried you the most after this one moving forward? Um, I think it's probably Ant. Um, just because mm-hmm. I, I think we all have such high expectations for him. Um, you know, the Timberwolves silenced that big time by by dominating the boards in the second half. Um, you know, the, the free throws didn't get a whole lot better. But again, you know, at least they're getting the free throws. Um, you know, it was Rudy Gobert shot 10 free throws in that first half. So um, I, I think you kind of excuse that a little bit. Um, but but for Ant, I think, you know, that's that's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's been something that's happened, you know, throughout this season. Um, and even games that he scored well in, uh, he hasn't scored super efficiently in against, uh, you know, pretty inferior teams. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see if he's going to be able to rectify that or not moving forward. But it's certainly something that I think this coaching staff, you know, knowing all these coaches are going to be on him. I think his teammates are going to be on him, are going to hold him accountable, hold him to a really high standard because he deserves to be held to that high standard. He's going to be named an all-star reserve tomorrow uh for for the second consecutive year so he's he's got to continue to to really rack up uh some big performances against these bad teams if he wants to be an, an all nba player and unlock another you know 40 whatever 40 45 million dollars whatever it is on, on his contract that, that kicks in next season all right well said all right plenty more deep dive from this one including more on cat's big night and that's all coming up right after this Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $200 now in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. That's $200 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You will not find a better promo than this all year and You don't even have to win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, brother. I, I, you already touched on it, but Cat, he led the way tonight, 29 points, nine boards. And, and, and if there's been one constant, one consistent with this team, when the Wolves play some bad teams, some sub-500, below-level teams, you always know Cat's going to show up and kind of be that anchor, put the team on his back, so to speak. What do you love the most about his game tonight? And I guess just how important is it to have a guy like him that can kind of lift the tempo and can grind them through some of those sluggish, slow ebbs and flows during games like these that, you know, are sometimes a little tough to get jacked up for with no Luka and no Kyrie on the other side. Yeah, I think Carl just gets really excited when he he kind of sees a matchup that he can attack. And it doesn't matter, you know, who else is playing in the game. He just wants to win that matchup and he wants to, you know, be the best he can for his team every night. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's something to really admire about Carl. I think sometimes it can lead to him being a little bit overzealous and trying to, you know, impose himself on the game a little bit too much at times. But I'd much rather have that than 
you know, some guy that you kind of forget is out there on the floor. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's easier to kind of go tell a guy, Hey man, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but let's just rein it in a little bit as opposed to trying to get a guy into the game. Um, so for, for Carl to do that, I, I think was great. I, I really appreciate it again. The fact that he did a better job tonight of not driving into crowds because they started to show more crowds to him in the second half. I think he just got a little bit overzealous with his passing, but for, for Carl to also realize, Hey, you know, I've, I've been working it on the drive really well all night, but if I'm open from three, I've got to shoot it. Right. And so um, in those two games in that Charlotte game where he went off and then the game after that, he shot 25 threes in those two games and then only shot 11 threes in the, in the following three games and then crept it back up to six in this game. Um, and man, you'd really like to continue to see him shoot more threes. I know we talked about it for a couple of games there, but then he just dipped right back down. And, and this, this offense needs as many efficient shots as it can possibly generate. And, and Carl Anthony Towns just needs to shoot more threes, man. I will keep saying it over and over and over and over again. It, it's great that he's willing to shoot them when he catches them and he's open, but even on some of them where he's not hundred percent open, I'd love to see him let him rip. Uh, because he's four of six tonight and he's shooting, I think 43% from three this season, something like that. And so, um, man, for, for him to be able to get, uh, up from, you know, shooting 43.7% on five attempts a game this year, imagine if he shot 39% on eight or nine attempts a game, right? You're, right. you're talking about another, you know, another seven and a half points, um, for this Timberwolves team every night. And, and that's, that's huge, man. Um, you know, maybe he, he still would find two or three other points. So let's call it another four points a night for the Timberwolves. I think you would take that clearly. I mean, that would take the Timberwolves from what are they, the 19th ranked offense up, up, you know, right near the, the edge of the top 10. Uh, so that that's my only thing from Carl. Uh, he was, he's very under control, very composed tonight. Love the way he drove out of the corner, played in the corner. Um, man, just can you, can you shoot a few more threes, please? Everyone's been begging him to. Um, and he has a ton of, it looks like he has a ton of fun when he does it. So I don't know why he doesn't do it because he clearly knows how good of a three-point shooter he is. I just, I don't know why he feels like he needs to drive and, and post up more than shoot threes. Yeah, well said. And again, kind of already touched on this. Cat's the MVP tonight. On the other hand, though, you said it, uh, Ant, way too quiet for anyone's liking. Definitely the biggest mystery of the game so far. Uh, deep into the fourth quarter, you just sit there and you go, you realize, has this guy even made a shot in the last two straight quarters? Not made a shot, just had a shot attempt. Here's the guys who had more shots than Ant tonight. And I realize he got pulled in that fourth quarter, but Mike Conley, Nas Reed, Nah, Rudy Gobert. And, and dude, it's tough. I, I don't care who you're playing or what anybody else is doing on, on, on the court. He's too good. He's too special not to have the ball in his hands and just yeah. be more aggressive, more confident. I say more confident. It can't really be a confidence thing with him, though. No, right? it's, just more him, shots? it's just it like a him choosing thing? to take the night off, I think. I got you. Uh, yeah. Or, or he sees Carl playing. He's like, all right, Carl, you got this. And, and my guy, Pierre Nujain at, at Fox 9, is pointing this out. Rudy Gobert had more than twice as many free throw attempts, 12, as Anthony Edwards had shot attempts, five. That is crazy. 
crazy, that's insane, crazy, dude. crazy. Uh, that's tough to even grasp your head around. So, yeah, any final thoughts, I guess? I mean, is this something that, you know, is going to keep you up tonight or is this just something that ebbs and flows of a long gauntlet 82-game season? Again, first time all year we haven't seen him hit double digits, but, again, maybe just one of those low-energy games that we've seen from him in the past, maybe not to this extent, though. Ebbs and flows, man. I'll sleep like a baby tonight, hopefully, uh, with with how tired I am from from covering WNBA free agency today. But but man, <laughs> shout out to the shout out to the Lynx for what they got done today. All right, well said. All right, plenty more deep dive from this one, including we're checking out the schedule and what's on deck, and that's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder: this episode of Locked On Wolves postcast it's brought to you by Quiz. Quiz is a next-generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Lockdown Wolves fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. And you can play without downloading anything. I love it. You just go to app.quiz.com and start playing today. NBA quiz, it's the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. And I personally, I've already had so much fun playing it. Just go to app.quiz.com, test your knowledge, and win some cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three-pointer. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans become champs. Hey, just give me a quick 60 seconds on this Mavs team, man, because there's definitely a world where these two meet again in the playoffs. They're currently the seventh seed. And again, obviously, no Luka, no Kyrie, I get it. But when healthy, just how much fear do they strike in you? Because we've seen them now multiple times this year, some without the studs, sometimes with just one of them, one of them fully healthy. So if they can actually get to the playoffs healthy, which is a big if, I, I, how worried, I guess, maybe that's the wrong word, but We'll just go with that for now. How worried are you they could play spoiler to one of the top teams in round one? Uh, I'm not all that worried. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think obviously like a player like Luka Doncic and someone with Kyrie Irving's playoff resume, those two guys have to strike the fear of God in you a little bit. Um, but but you really got to force the other guys around you, to, around them to beat you. And I think that's a tough proposition for, for all the other guys they have on this roster. Um, but, but the way those two guys are able to spread you out and compromise your defense, um, not with their, not only with their scoring, their incredible shooting, but also, you know, with their incredible playmaking, they're, they're two of the smartest players that have ever played this game, two of the mm -hmm. most talented guys who have ever played this game on the perimeter. Um, you know, and they're, they're great mid-range shooters and the, and the Timberwolves force a lot of teams to take mid-range shots. And so if that were to force the Timberwolves to have to step out and contest more mid-range shots, um, that would open up the corners a little bit more. And then, then they start moving the ball around and shooting a ton of threes and they can score, you know, 120, 130, 140 points pretty easily. Uh, if your defense gets compromised and, and they want to speed you up and, um, and, and play in transition and, uh, they do a great job of turning you over on the other end with, with pretty aggressive defense that they, they turn into points on the other end. So, uh, really, really fun team to watch and they've got it rolling, but, but a team that really is centered around those two guys. And when either of them have a tough night especially in a playoff setting, it'd be, it'd be uh, pretty tough for them to overcome that. Uh, how much is Rudy, I was just thinking about this today, how much has Rudy changed or evolved his game from Utah to now, specifically with the perimeter defending that we keep hearing about, getting out further on defense to defend that three against some guards and smaller, quicker players sometimes. How huge of an impact 
has that had on this defense that we just spoke so glowingly of earlier in the show? I think that he's gotten a little bit better with it. I think he's just more confident doing it because he knows the guys behind him are going to have his back if someone gets by him or sure. allows him to be a little bit more aggressive out on the perimeter where in Utah, you know, I don't think he really trusted anyone else on the floor defensively. And, and that, you know, really forced him to try to guard two or three guys at one time and really frustrated him. And uh, I, I think made it look like it was his fault for all the things that was happening. But I think we know now watching Rudy Gobert, how incredible of a defender he is that I don't think you can take anything away from what he does on the interior or the exterior of the defense. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do more with the guys around him, not, not picking up their slack and, and, and doing their jobs. And so um, I, I just think it's that added confidence now being in the system for a second season, everything's kind of built around him and his skills and what he likes to do. And for him to, you know, just feel really confident in, in telling guys what to do. Hey, I got this. Hey, you know, don't help when I'm out here. I got it. Those types of things. I think have really helped him take another step forward and, and put him in, in the driver's seat in the, in the favorite, uh, you know, I, I guess in the favorite row, right atop the, the defensive player of the year standings um, and, and what would be his, his fourth career defensive player of the year award. Yeah. All-star reserves announced tomorrow night on TNT. You told me you're expecting two of Ant, Cat, Rudy to get the nod and also this is really cool if Wolves win on Friday versus Orlando Sunday versus Houston Finch and the staff would coach the Western Conference all-star team how cool would that be and and what would that mean for Finch and this Wolves franchise by the way who I assume I'm going out on a limb I assume they've never had a coach coaching the all-star game maybe flip back in the day KG era but just your quick thoughts on all-star weekend and the Wolves we might see that week yeah we'll see Ant for sure he's a lock um, and I think it, given the way the Timberwolves have played and that they do have three all-star caliber players right at the top, I think it would be really hard for them to not have at least two. Uh, it's almost automatic that the, the, the number one team in the conference uh, has two all-stars. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you which one between Carl and Rudy uh, would be the guy that would go. Um, I, I think for an all-star setting, Carl might make more sense, but for an all NBA team, maybe Rudy makes more sense sure. since that's more impact and less, um, you know, I think kind of who might be able to make a more exciting game. Um, I don't know how it's going to come out. Maybe they get all three. That'd be really cool if they got all three. I, I think opposing coaches have a lot of respect for the Timberwolves and what they've done this season. Um, and, and so who knows, uh, if the Timberwolves will be able to get three guys there, I think it'd be really cool if they could be able to, uh, just because I think all three of those guys deserve it for, for the individual roles that they've played in, in helping the Timberwolves take this jump in, into the, uh, Western conference title contender category and a team that I think is, is earning a lot more respect around the league, which is really important, uh, not only for, you know, not not only for the team internally, but but I think externally too. Like guys feed off of the fact that other teams are talking about the Timberwolves as this team that could make some noise in the Western Conference. I think gives those guys more confidence in what they're doing, uh, and certainly I think creates more excitement among the fans that other teams and other fan bases and other you know national media members don't just see this as some flash in the pan forty game stretch where the Timberwolves are are you know playing a lot better than, than what their potential is or, you know, or, or greater than the sum of their parts. I think this is very real. And I think that's what makes it a lot of fun. And so hopefully Tim Rolls will be able to celebrate that with their whole entire coaching staff with, you know, the three stars there. And, and who knows, maybe Carl Anthony Towns will, uh, will be there anyways to, uh, 
to play in the, you know, take part in that three point contest, but, but we'll see. Yeah. Coming up real quick before you know, a couple of weeks away. Uh, well done tonight. As always wolves win it versus the Mavs moved to 34 and 14. That's good enough for first place in the West as Denver and OKC battle it out tonight. Any uh, update, any box score scouting over there? Do we have a score on that one, by the way? Huge implications on the line. OKC, 105-100 over Denver. So, uh, nonetheless, you got those top four spots in the West with the Clippers. All remain kind of clumped up at the top. Uh, back at home Friday versus the uh, Orlando Magic. Tip-off for that one, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. As always, Huge shout out to everyone that hopped in the postcast. Always love the feedback and comments after every game. And rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder, got to go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter, at Borman 13 And make sure you check him out on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Brand new episode just dropped today. Give us a little tease. What did you guys talk about? Yeah, we, we talked about that big win over the Thunder on Monday and, and what was the most encouraging part about that. Um you know, we also we also talked a little bit about uh, our, our guy Ron's comparison of are, are the Timberwolves the Detroit Lions uh, of the NBA uh, making making a surprise run this season given uh, you know given their franchise's history uh, and then we also talked about the the team's point guard situation in terms of you know how we think Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jordan McLaughlin have fared behind Mike Conley uh, if they need to upgrade that and, and just some of the more I guess, intriguing kind of lineup tidbits that we've seen involving those two guys, Nikhil and, and Jordan McLaughlin, and uh, and maybe how the Timberwolves can can look to continue uh, finding some of those little lineup combinations that have worked so far moving forward and, and how all that might play out. So it was, it was a good one. A lot of fun this morning. Yeah, make sure you check that out again each and every Wednesday. That's got Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, like you mentioned, Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson. Hey, Ron's always good for at least one hot take and one movie reference each and every episode. So he's consistent. Uh, if you haven't already, Ben Beacon ripping it up over in the Locked on Wolves podcast each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing up.